It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com earnings right now. NetSuite.com earnings. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app, or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. There's a massive crowd outside the courthouse in Lower Manhattan in what's turned into a bit of a circus this morning, as you might expect. It's a good chance to add a voice of reason here. Tara Lee Grove, professor of law at the University of Texas, with us now on Bloomberg Sound On. Tara, what's your expectation today? We understand that, that we'll finally... Uh, knowing that we have not seen the charges yet, despite a lot of reports, this indictment will be unsealed at the time of his arraignment. Right. So we, we don't actually know what, what the former president is charged with until we see that indictment. So we'll we'll have a, a lot more clarity on that fairly soon. Your thoughts on what you've heard so far and, and the way that this procedure will take place, it's not going to be like any other booking, obviously. Digital fingerprints, we understand. No mugshot, Tara. This is something we've never seen before. Right. Well, this is a situation we've never seen before as well. Mm-hmm. A former president being indicted by a state court. Um, this is We live in extraordinary times, and this is, a, um, this is unprecedented in our history. Well, that's true. And as we set history here today... What what rights does Donald Trump enjoy, if any, that the rest of us do not? As a former president going through this process, is he protected from anything that, that you and I would not be? Uh, no. So as a formal matter, uh, the former president is just like um, you or me or anyone else living in this country. There are constitutional protections for all defendants in criminal cases, and those apply to a former president just like anyone else. And the key word here is former, right? Once someone is no longer in office, that person becomes a civilian again, um, just like both of us. And so the constitutional protections are not different. Now, that's as a formal matter. Obviously, as a practical matter, it's a much more complicated situation because most criminal defendants are not protected by the Secret Service. Mm -hmm. Most criminal defendants are not former presidents. And so obviously, there have to be some practical adjustments for that. We've got news on another case uh, that I need to ask you about here, Tara, and that involves the special counsel here in Washington, the case that many think uh, would be more appropriate uh, for for levying first ever charges against a former president. This, of course, is the investigation into January 6th. The judge presiding over that case is not uh, allowing journalists or, or, or I should say is is. Uh, is going to allow former White House advisors to testify before a federal grand jury. Donald Trump was trying to keep that from happening. He's been appealing a ruling, rejecting uh, his executive privilege challenge. How how important is this development in the January 6th case being investigated by special counsel Jack Smith? So it's obviously helpful to anyone investigating a case to have more information rather than less. And so it's, it's very important that... Uh, that 
that the special master found that executive privilege does not does not apply here. Now, we of course don't know and won't know for some, for some time mm-hmm. what exactly these individuals might say. Grand jury proceedings are are, are confidential typically, um, and so we'll find out in a, in a while exactly uh, how interesting this testimony turns out to be. Was that inevitable, or does it tell you something about the trajectory of this case? So I. So much about this litigation uh, involving the former president is unprecedented. Uh, is it unusual for people to be able to testify against a, a former boss? No. Uh, but when you have an overlay of of the presidency and executive privilege, it becomes much more complicated. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot about what we're seeing today in, in assorted litigation uh, is pretty extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been suggested that Alvin Bragg is is being motivated by politics here. His critics say that uh, you know he ran on indicting Donald Trump. His supporters say that this Manhattan DA would never have gone here to actually go up against a former president unless he had a case uh, that was meaningful and very difficult to beat. Which side do you fall on? So I, I think it's very hard to know exactly what motivates any individual, and I'm not going to claim to to have detailed knowledge about this. But I think most prosecutors only try to prosecute a case if they have one. I think that's the general general plan. A prosecutor wants to get a conviction. And so most prosecutors in most cases would be careful about that. I do think it's important to note there are politics on all sides of this. Um, I know some people are claiming this is politically motivated, but a failure to bring an indictment in a case that warrants it and would be brought in a case involving a civilian would also be political if just because a person was a former president, the prosecutor declined to prosecute. Mm -hmm. Falsifying business records is a real charge. Uh, If you get more than 30 counts, can you sort of put this in perspective? Uh, This is the trouble I think a lot of people are having, Tara. Put this in perspective with the other cases. You've got Fulton County, Georgia, an alleged attempt to overturn election results there. And you've got the special counsel I mentioned here in Washington, D.C. How do these stack up? So... I think it's possible we'll see a lot more litigation going forward. Um, and I, someone's going to be the first mover, right? And it happens to be New York in this instance. That does not prevent the other cases, which involve, as you pointed out, very different matters. I think it's going to be a pretty wild ride for the next yeah. several months to a year. Tara, thanks for being with us. You should come back once we actually understand a little more about these charges. Tara Lee Grove, professor of law at the University of Texas. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. The fastest show in politics live from Washington. I'm Joe Matthew with our panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Apparently, Donald Trump's legal team doesn't even know what all the charges are here. Joe Tacopina, his lawyer, talking about that today on ABC News. Just about certain procedural things, um, but nothing substantively regarding the indictment. They uh, have not shared it with us, won't share it with us until it's unsealed. But we know the the basis of the, the indictment and the factual allegations in the indictment. And of course, that would be the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. And reports today say we're looking at 30 plus counts uh, of falsifying business records that would go back to CNN reporting roughly a week ago. John Miller had a very similar number. So we'll, we'll get actual uh, facts on this. And there's uh, Donald Trump getting out of the vehicle right now. He just emerged from the SUV and gives a wave to 
presumably some crowd that could see him, although there there are no large gatherings of people right around where he is. He's uh, walking with uh, several suited security guards, wearing sunglasses, heading into the courthouse. That may be it here, uh, Rick Davis, as we're watching him enter uh, the court, and there he goes. That might be all we actually see of Donald Trump until this arraignment has concluded. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us here. Jeannie, you were talking about what this means for the city. They sure got through town pretty quick. They're at the courthouse now, and history is about to be made. And I can tell you, none of us get through the city this it's quickly. Funny how that so, works. you know, yeah. it's funny how it works. And, you know, I, one thing, it, uh, you're right, we, we may not see him again. Um, who knows? I know, and Ian Marie was reporting, you were reporting that we've heard he would like to speak afterwards. But, you know, there are an awful lot of security uh, concerns attached to that. So we don't know if we will see him then. But, you know, somebody we did see, and you mentioned, was Marjorie Taylor Greene. And mm-hmm. I have to ask you and Rick, is 30 seconds to a minute really a rally? She went into the park, she had her bullhorn, and she was out again. Um, So, you know, between her and George Santos, he is really running low, and I think this is a very serious issue, on supporters of note amongst the Republican Party. They have supported him verbally, but a big question when he speaks tonight from Mar-a-Lago, does anybody of note from the Republican Party come down to support him besides the usual suspects? It was pretty hard to hear what she said, although she seems to be pretty sore about uh, about what Mayor Adams uh, said. Eric Adams actually had a message for Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday. People like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is known to spread misinformation and hate speech. uh, She stated she's coming to town while you're in town. Be on your best behavior. She didn't like that. Obviously, that's uh, what got her going today. To the Mayor Adams. by name while you allow crime in your streets and you send your henchmen down here Rick Davis, who are the henchmen that he sent down? That's I assume uh, I assume out. they're talking about be you know, New York police officers, <laughs> right? I mean, thirty thousand strong. That's they're uh, keeping them. the peace, yeah. and uh, I'm not exactly sure. I'd in the middle of a crowd like that, I'd be name calling <laughs> New York cops. I mean, <laughs> that's a life threatening uh, kind of episode. Thirty five thousand. This is an all hands uh, situation. Although I have to admit, uh, they're they're doing a pretty darn good job keeping things uh, together here, Rick. We. We saw a couple of scuffles, as Anne Marie mentioned. Some some folks came to blows. I guess that's going to happen at, a, at an event like this. Uh, but so far, it's actually been very carefully controlled. Yeah, I think that uh, the city's showing up well, right? I mean, you can imagine what this is costing them, right? All this, uh, every cop in uniform, uh, overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, really going to you know stress the city budgets for this. But uh, I do think that they're they're showing up really well today, and I uh, hope everything goes peacefully. I would say it is an interesting point that Jeannie made earlier about like no real senior Republicans mm-hmm. out talking in the press today too much and or showing up in new york and and i think there's a lot of question as to like what are these charges going to be uh there's more and more you know people scratching their heads in the republican establishment i talked to that says look if this was hush money payments it's outrageous but like yeah if the guy violated tax law i'm not sure how hard we can really lean in on this yes right uh, kevin mccarthy did not show up uh, genie as uh, you might expect uh, but uh, he's got his uh, pinned tweet at the top of his feed. Here we go again. An outrageous abuse of power by a radical DA who lets violent criminals walk as he pursues political vengeance against President Trump. It brings us to 
the next phase in this day. Following the arraignment, Jeannie, we're actually going to hear from Alvin Bragg. He's going to hold a news conference right around 3.30 New York time. What's he going to say? You know, I think that was one of the biggest pieces of news we got today was that he was going to speak after the arraignment and after we know what the charges are. So I expect what he is going to try to do is give the details um, of this indictment and to flesh out the story and to counteract some of the charges that have been lobbed against him and his office. As I like to watch Truth Social for you, Joe, all night, Donald Trump was at it all night, all day yesterday, this morning, and he was attacking the judge. He was attacking Alvin Bragg. He was attacking Alvin Bragg's wife, amongst other people. A lot of rhinos that I know Rick knows well and doesn't describe as rhinos. It went on and on. And I think what we're going to hear from Alvin Bragg is an attempt to counteract this narrative that this is a political witch hunt, political persecution, because they don't want him to run for office, that the, he was sent by Joe Biden. So he's going to try to flesh out whatever is in this, this, these indictments and whatever this indictment and whatever these charges are in a way that maybe the American public won't get a good sense of by simply reading through mm-hmm. what could potentially be a long legal document. I'm bringing up truth uh, with, uh, with Jeannie's permission here. Uh, he actually posted <laughs> seven minutes ago Rick, right before he left Trump Tower, heading to lower Manhattan, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow. They're going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. MAGA. It's already been liked more than 5,000 times. Of course, if this were on Twitter, that would be 5 million. Uh, But I do wonder how many people read that and say, hey, wait a minute. What is going on here? Yeah, I think it's really kind of a somber text for him, right? No all caps going angry on, you know, the prosecutor's wife or anything. I mean, like, he's been over the top on his comments yeah. leading up to this. And, and to all put that caps. in <laughs> and to put that in today, and so it, it actually sounds like he's a little worried about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's the most peaceful thing he's put on true social since they launched the it's platform. Like he really can't believe what's happening. He really actually. can't he believe can't we're really doing this. Right. But don't right. you know who I am? Yeah. And we learned today that there is news. You might have heard me mention about the special counsel here in Washington. Uh, his efforts to block the uh, this federal appeals court from talking to his former White House advisors has been rejected. Uh, what does that tell us, Jeannie, about where that investigation is going? This is the one where Special Counsel Jack Smith is looking into the classified documents and the events of January 6th. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to borrow from somebody else who said, you know, Manhattan is uh, taking a lot of the spotlight here, but the real power resides in Washington with Jack Smith. And decisions like that going in the favor of the feds and Jack Smith in particular are critically important because we know that the Manhattan case is probably the weakest of all four of the cases that are potentially going to be lodged against the former president. Mm -hmm. And certainly, if he gets what we're hearing reported in the Post over the weekend, and if any of these people who are going to testify can, um, you know, testify to this, that there is evidence of obstruction, that Donald Trump had those documents, for instance, and knew what he had, and that he did, uh, you know, had a big role in the January 6th incitement and they have had conversations documented with him. Yeah. That is going to be big as it pertains to both January 6th and the documents case at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, we've, boy, there's a lot happening all at once here. Uh, if you go back 14 hours on Trump's uh, truth feed, Rick, speaking of leaks, Special Prosecutor Jack Smith, what did his name used to be in parentheses? Really? 
leaked massive amounts of information to the Washington Compost. <laughs> Get it? This is illegal, and I assume the, this radical left lunatic, much to the chagrin of his Trump-hating wife and family, will be prosecuted. He goes on to call him a totally biased thug. This is the type of thing that got people talking about a potential gag order. Right. And uh, he can't help himself. This is just who he is. The grievances just pour out. Wow. Um, you know, he has uh, the fastest thumbs in, in true social, <laughs> so no one can stop him. So. I'm highly confident that his lawyers would pr- just prefer him not to be attacking prosecutors and judges and, and ultimately probably uh, jury members. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing we're kind of missing is that, you know, there were 24 people on this uh, grand jury mm-hmm. who made this decision. It wasn't the prosecutor that made the decision. The grand jury made the decision. And 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 and, and I think at some point in time, Donald Trump's got to realize he's going to have a jury of his peers in yeah. New York who are going to sit on his trial. And Watch everything he does. It's it, it can't be missed. And so you wonder if this is a little counterproductive at this hour. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Kaylee and June uh, are going to stay with us here as we bring in Nick Ackerman, the former Watergate prosecutor, as part of our conversation for a little more perspective because we really need it now. Nick, thank you for joining us here Uh, This is historic, the first indictment of a former president with what you know so far, and we're about to learn a lot more about the the charges. Does this feel like the case that rises to that level to make history? Well, it certainly does if you combine it with everything else that's being looked at. Mm -hmm. I mean, the two cases, one in D.C. and one in Georgia, relate to Donald Trump trying to maintain his hold on power and stay in office uh, by using the the election was rigged. Uh, in this case, um, it, 
at least part of it relates to 2016, his first election, uh, when he didn't disclose to voters uh, that he was paying off women to keep their stories from being reported uh, in the National Enquirer. Uh, so in a sense, he was defrauding the public in um, his first election, and then he was defrauding his the public in the second election when he tried to keep himself in power. So in a way, um, they're both related. Well, and of course, in this particular case, as we await the exact charges to be unveiled, we know that there is one witness in particular who has already gotten a lot of attention, already has done jail time in relation uh, to these payments that were uh, allegedly made. Michael Cohen, is he a reliable witness or is he problematic in this case for the prosecutors? I, I don't see him being problematic at all. I mean, he's a typical accomplice witness. Um, he's pled guilty. Uh, he's essentially was involved in the same crime that Trump is charged with. Uh, he's got uh, a witness, a prime witness, who's going to corroborate him right down the line, which is David Pecker. Uh, there are going to be documents, lots of checks signed by Donald Trump. Uh, there's a tape between Michael Cohen and Donald Trump uh, where the payment to um, the other person was uh, discussed. Um, so there's a lot of corroboration. And I think there's a lot of other witnesses they have. Uh, that also corroborate what Michael Cohen and David Pecker say. So it, it's not just a one witness case. It's it's much more than that. And with all that corroboration, I think it makes for a pretty strong case. So, Nick, we've heard the defense attorney, Joe Tacopina, say that they are going to be aggressive filing motions. What kind of motions do you think they'll file right away? And will they be, in other words, separate motions, if you want to have one motion to dismiss based on this, another based on that, or will they all be in one giant package? Well, normally it's in one giant package with each motion listed off separately. Um, certainly, uh, it sounds like they're going to try and move to have it dismissed based on the statute of limitations. Um, they're going to, um, you know, it, it's so hard to tell without knowing what the charges are. Um, but there'll be attacks on the substantive crimes themselves as to whether or not they're legally viable, possibly. Um, they're going to ask for more particulars, although I have a feeling uh, that this indictment is going to be very specific with lots of details. I mean, it's normal practice. Um, in cases like this, that defense lawyers, um, in fact, like myself, make lots of motions. Uh, a lot of times they're really not much substance to them. And, and there's not going to be any way to really know that uh, until we see what the indictment says and what their motions are. Nick, the judge ruled uh, no cameras allowed in the courtroom. Was that the right decision? Um, normally, I would say yes. But in this case, I think it's really important that they did allow a camera in for this arraignment. The problem is here that Donald Trump is trying to portray this in a completely different way by bringing in a whole retinue of people with him and flying into uh, the airport and having all these cars follow him out to the courthouse and then follow him back. Um, I think what the reason he did not want a camera in the courtroom was because uh, he would not be controlling the situation. The judge would be sitting on a uh, the bench, which would be above um, the defendant and the lawyers, uh, would really be controlling the entire situation. Uh, Donald Trump would not be in his usual position where he can bully people or make other statements. Uh, the only statement he's going to be making is not guilty in response to the judge's question. 
And I think what he was concerned about was looking like any other criminal defendant who shows up at an arraignment, which he's going to look like. And Mm -hmm. he was talking before about actually using the footage of his going into the courthouse, coming out of the courthouse for his campaign. But he certainly wouldn't be able to use any footage uh, of what would be taken inside during the arraignment, um, since, again, he would be in a completely different situation, uh, which would not make him look very favorable. Well, you mentioned his campaign, Nick, and it just reminds us all that there is this kind of looming deadline, if you will, of November 2024, when he would like to see himself elected president again. So to your earlier point about the motions that could potentially be filed, how long could this stretch out, considering we have an election coming? What does the timeline realistically look like? I I think somewhere within the year. Um, It's not that hard. Um, If I were the prosecutor, I would um, immediately turn over all the discovery, ask the judge for a you know a trial date in two months, uh, and try and be as aggressive as possible in pushing this to trial. Um, probably wouldn't work, but it certainly would you know get everybody off the dime and start this thing down the road to trial. I mean, there's just not that much to do um, if the defendants or defendant is forced to work hard, put in his motions. Um, given 30 days to do that, give the gov- the, defend- the district attorney's office 30 days to respond um, and then get this ready for trial. I-, I just don't think it. I mean, it depends on what the indictment says. We'll have to look at that, how complicated it is and how much uh, the scope is beyond uh, the David Pecker, um, Donald Trump scheme to uh, catch and kill um, stories that uh, were not flattering to uh, Donald Trump from appearing in the National Enquirer. So in addition to the Georgia investigation, which we don't know if there'll be an indictment or not, and the special counsel's two investigations, Donald Trump is going to be on trial in a few weeks in Manhattan in the case of E. Jean Carroll, the defamation case. And then in October, the New York Attorney General's case comes. And I understand that the defense, one of the defenses is going to be, well, he can't get a fair trial here. And so much will be known by that time. Do you think the judge would ever allow them a change of venue? Um, I, I just don't see it because the change of venue would be in New York State. I mean, it really wouldn't make any difference. You can always pick a impartial jury Uh, wherever you are, just by simply asking the right questions of the jurors and doing the proper uh, voir dire, as it's called, uh, to make sure that the jury panel can be fair and impartial. Uh, The case that really poses him major uh, problems is this case that's pending right down the street at the Southern District of New York, Mm. where the judge has already ruled that um, not only can Jean, is Jean Carroll going to testify, but she's allowed to put on two other witnesses that were sexually assaulted uh, by Donald Trump. So he's going to have to take the witness stand there to defend himself. He, if he asserts the Fifth Amendment privilege, that'll be used against him. Um, so he's really between a rock and a hard place on that case. And we'll get a, a verdict from a jury, um, you know, probably in May on whether or not he defamed her and whether or not he raped her. In May. With that said, we're spending time with Nick Ackerman, former Watergate prosecutor. Uh, Nick, as we go a couple months down the road, you consider that case, you consider what the special counsel is investigating here in Washington, and then, of course, the Fulton County Grand Jury. If if all of those indictments arrive, 
and he's facing, say, three or three of them as as a, as a former president. Do we look back on this day differently? Will this seem like it was somehow unjustified considering uh, just the scope and the severity of those other cases where you're actually talking about an insurrection? Yeah, you are. But like I said before, it's it's really kind of the, the, the sort of the bookend of what he did in both presidential elections. Uh, the first being lying to the public to keep them from learning the truth about uh, Stormy Daniels and Carol McDougal and, and the fact that he was paying them off money to keep their stories out of the National Enquirer so he could win election. Uh, and then the big lie that fueled the insurrection in on January 6th. So, no, I think they all fit together pretty well uh, with respect to Donald Trump's actions, character, and what he is going to be charged with in all of these cases, except for obviously the one on uh, classified documents. And yet in any of these cases, could we actually see him barred from running for president again? I mean, is there any legal scenario in which he cannot reassume the highest office in this country? No, the only constitutional requirement to run for president is that you be 35 years old and that you be born in the United States. Other than that, there is nothing else uh, to prohibit somebody from running for president. Now, again, I, I think what we're going to see is as these indictments come down, um, more and more of the Republicans who are running for president and start announcing for president are going to be a bit more emboldened in taking Donald Trump on. And keep in mind that these indictments are not a, a positive resume builder for someone running for president. Uh, it's not going to increase his base of support uh, it's not going to appeal to independents. It's not going to appeal to people in the suburbs. Um, politics is about expanding your base, reaching out to other groups. Uh, and this is going to do just the opposite. So, Nick, Donald Trump is known for, you know, complaining about judges, Supreme Court judges, Ninth Circuit judges. Now he's complaining about this judge and saying that he's, you know, biased, that he hates me. He also has talked about the district attorney and the district attorney's wife. What does that all do to the atmosphere at trial or at least at this arraignment? Well, it may even wind up as a charge in, in the indictment. I mean, for example, that picture he put up uh, with himself holding a baseball bat with the district attorney uh, may wind up being the basis for a charge of trying to interfere with the administration of justice by threatening uh, the district attorney. So a lot of this stuff can basically be turned around on him. And the bottom line is it's not real helpful, at least in terms of defending his case. Do his lawyers not have control over him at this point to tell him at least stop talking about the judge that may eventually be sentencing you? Uh, they clearly don't. I mean, he has never basically been controlled by any of the lawyers that he's hired. Uh, he is, in a sense, the chief lawyer, the chief strategist. And it's pretty obvious straight through ever since the Mueller probe that he is the person who is calling the shots, not the lawyers. Nick, I'm looking at Donald Trump's uh, truth social page here. Right before he left Trump Tower, he sent out a message. He says, heading to lower Manhattan, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they're going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. If he actually shows remorse, if he shows some concern about his own place in the universe, will it help him in this trial or no? 
Um, it's not going to help with the facts. I mean, it might help them on sentencing, mm -hmm. um, but the facts are the facts and the evidence is what it is. Um, and based on what we know just about the limited piece that everybody's been talking about, I mean, this this is pretty much a pretty strong case. I mean, you've got a number of witnesses saying the same thing. You've got documents backing them up and you've got a tape recording in Donald Trump's own words when they're with him and Michael Cohen talking about the payment to Karen McDougal. So it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a pretty straightforward case. Nick, we've talked at length now about what this this case, this indictment, these charges will mean for former President Trump's reputation. But there's also the question of the broader reputation of American democracy to see a former president arrested, especially given how close you were to Watergate, knowing the aftermath of that. How do you anticipate this reads around the world? Well, I think this reads that um, we actually stick by our rule of law, our system that is governed by the rule of law, uh, that no one person is above the law. If they commit a crime, they're going to be prosecuted and made accountable for the crime that they commit. Uh, a lot of this hoopla that's surrounding this right now wouldn't exist if uh, President Ford hadn't pardoned Richard Nixon. Right. Uh, Richard Nixon would have been prosecuted for a whole series of crimes. Uh, relating to the Watergate cover-up, his taxes, um, and other items, possibly. So this all would have played out some 50 years ago, um, making this not a first-time event. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's important that, um, you know, we, like other democracies who have prosecuted their presidents, like South Korea and others, um, that we stick by the rule of law and let this all play out in the proper way uh, through our justice system. Nick, the Republicans, the leaders of three, the chairs of three committees have been on the attack against Alvin Bragg, saying this is a politically motivated prosecution. I believe today Jim Jordan said that he might serve a subpoena on Bragg. Um, what, do you think that they'll be doing the same things if there are other indictments, let's say, from the special counsel? And where will those investigations end up? They'll end up nowhere, basically. Um, there, there's no way that Congress can interfere in an ongoing investigation. They're a criminal matter, a criminal trial. Um, what they're doing is they're setting themselves up for their own indictment for obstruction of justice um, and and basically interfering in the criminal justice system. This is not something that they should take lightly, um, and they could wind up getting themselves in trouble. And Jim Jordan is a lawyer. Um, so, that may be, but I don't know if he's a lawyer. I think, well, he, he went to law school, school, let's put it that way, head of the Judiciary <laughs> Committee. Don't you think he would know these things? One would think, but you would think he would know a lot of things. So I, I don't know what to, how to answer that exactly, but... Um, they cer certainly should know better. That, that's for certain. Nick Ackerman, we appreciate the time and the perspective. A perfect conversation for this day as we wait for details here. Former Watergate prosecutor with us here on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, along with Kaylee Lines and June Grasso of Bloomberg Law is in New York. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, 
It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Let's add um, another voice potentially to this conversation, Joe, as we are talking about the legal ramifications here. Jimmy Garule, he is former federal prosecutor and current law professor at Notre Dame Law School. So, uh, Professor, thank you so much for being with us. As we await the specifics on these charges, we were just speaking with Nick Ackerman, a former Watergate uh, prosecutor, who he said from what he uh, believes, this seems like a pretty strong case that has been brought. What is your assessment at this time? Well, I, th- I think it's a little premature to start making uh, judgments about the strength or the weakness of the case without having even seen or having the, the, the indictment released, you know, made public. So I think it's premature. So I think, I think everybody needs to kind of keep their, part, their powder dry at this point. The one concern that I have is this. If it turns out, well, I have two concerns. So one, it's really interesting. You know, there's been discussions about the number of, uh, of counts that this indictment is going to include. And if it does include, you know, 30, 32, you know, plus uh, counts, as some have, have stated, it strikes me that all of those counts can be related simply to Stormy Daniels and the hush money payments and the, 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 the cover-up of these payments. And so I wonder if there are additional, additional conduct of criminality beyond Stormy Daniels that's included in these 30-plus counts if it turns out to be an indictment that, that is of such length. And then the second question that I have is that with respect to Stormy Daniels, you know, is the, is the key witness, is the government's key witness, you know, Michael Cohen? Mm. I mean, if he's the key witness, and I was a prosecutor for nine years, you know, he's got a lot of baggage, and uh, he's going to be impeached on multiple levels. I mean, first, he's a, he's a convicted felon. And his uh, felony charges involve uh, tax evasion, you know, tax fraud, 
crime of dishonesty, uh, false statements to uh, to bank federal bank officials. That's a crime in, involving you know dishonesty, false statements, and uh, bias. Or there is he going to be impeached on bias? I mean, he's made many public statements and in the media and uh, and during interviews criticizing Trump, and, and it's pretty clear that he has no love lost, you know, for former President Trump. And so, I'm hoping that if he's the central key witness, you know, there better be some independent corroborating evidence in the form of documents and other evidence yeah. to support what he has to say. If there is not, Jimmy, uh, does that inform the other cases? Does it water down what the, the special counsel could potentially come out with or the Fulton County grand jury? Well, not necessarily, because those those are different, you know, different issues. They involve different criminal activity. You know, Fulton County, you have President, you know, former President Trump's own words in the tape-recorded telephone conversation. And so they don't rise or fall. And I don't know that this case is either, but, but at least it, it, it appears at this point that Michael Cohen is going to be a, a key critical witness. He's not going to be a key critical witness in the Fulton County case. He's not going to be a critical witness or probably not a witness at all involving the January 6th, you know, insurrection case, uh, the the mishandling of classified documents, you know, he's not going to be a key witness in any of those cases. So, so those are all very different cases, different evidence, um, different witnesses. This one troubles me if it really is going to, you know, center on Michael Cohen. So, Jimmy, as you mentioned, there's the Atlanta case, there's the federal special counsel's case, two cases actually there. So if charge, if indictments are brought in both those, and then you have this case, plus some of the civil cases, how will it be arranged? How will the various trials and timing be arranged? And will electioneering, would campaigning be a consideration? Well, make no mistake about it. I mean, all of this is going to, you know, if, if someone is expecting a trial soon, you know, that, that that's not going to be the reality. I think that, that even in this case alone, if this was the only case, I suspect that, that his lawyers are going to file motion after motion after pretrial motion to try to delay this case as, as much as possible and get it to, uh, you know, get the trial to occur, you know, after the election. I mean, it's possible that it could take that long to bring it to uh, to, to a full trial. And then if you add on top of that, you know, other indictments from other cases in different jurisdictions, then those cases are going to be delayed because former President Trump is just not simply going to be in a position to to litigate and defend himself in multiple criminal cases simultaneously. And so those cases are going to be delayed. So I think we're, you know, it it could very well be that that the entire arc of of this, uh, these alleged criminal criminal counts and, and criminal conduct is something that is going to transcend literally years if we see any uh, actual verdicts in these cases. Hey, Jimmy, if we've got 30, 20, 30 counts here, we know the former president went into the courtroom less than five minutes ago. How quickly is this going to move? Well, it depends. So, so his attorney could certainly waive, it, waive the reading of the indictment. So, I mean, that, that's up to him. I mean, he, he certainly, you know, Trump has the right to be notified of the criminal charges against him. And that could certainly be in the form of just reading every count line by line, you know, word by word throughout. Or his counsel could waive that right, in which case, you know, the, the, the proceedings could be much, much shorter. So as we still are awaiting, and I am refreshing the page constantly to see when these charges uh, may be unveiled, how much uh, room is there based on what we know for variation within those 
within those charges? Could any be brought that are more serious? Oh, I think so. I mean, that's why I think it's a little, like I stated, it's premature to start rendering judgments on the strength of the weakness of the case because we haven't even seen the charging document. And, And the charging document could very well all center on Stormy Daniels and the hush money payments, but it's difficult for me to imagine that you're going to be able to generate, you know, 30 plus counts out of that single course of conduct. You know, is it possible? I, I suspect that it's possible, but it's but I'm waiting to see whether there's something else, you know, some other criminal conduct, maybe there's maybe some other um, falsification of business records that the investigation, uh, the the New York investigation has uncovered that doesn't involve the Stormy Daniels incident. Hey, Jimmy, really appreciate your time today. Come back and talk to us when we do have the charges. I'm I'm dying to do this with some more information. Uh, Jimmy Garule, former federal prosecutor, now at Notre Dame Law School. Thanks for listening to the Sound On Podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time at Bloomberg.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all. All of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.